Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our Lord is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine ears from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. I was greatly affected. I said in my haste, all men are ours. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am the servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the old Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. And from Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Right quote I had, If you can't do great things, do small things in a great way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it is good to be in God's house. I um, had a uh, quite a morning this morning, so it lets me know that what I am teaching on is very appropriate. Poor old Brother Fox, it seemed like when he preaches, he's getting a little bit of a stigma attached to him. He was preaching, and our air conditioner went out. He had sickness hit his family. And uh, so I, I told him, I said, uh, I think I'm going to put you on hiatus for a while. I said, you stir up the devil too much. And uh, obviously he's got an anointing on his life to stir up the devil the way he does. <laughs> so I, I know that um, we have got... A lot pending, and I, I would like to say this. I don't, I don't think I seen back there, but um, Brother Brian Silver's put in this air conditioning unit this week for nothing, and um, that just made things so much better. And he worked at it hard to get it done before. Uh, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? He got it done before yesterday. And if you were, you could notice that it was out if you were in here last Sunday. It's when it went out. It got a bit warm. Now it feels about right. I like about 32 degrees. That's a good temperature. And uh, you ever, I was praying yesterday, and and uh, now whether this is revelation or just speculation, I'm not sure. But it's always intrigued me that most of the records of cold, hot, everything that uh, has been made was mostly in the 1930s, around 1938, 1940, 1941, especially the the hot temperatures. And uh, I told my wife this morning, I said, I, I just have a feeling in my heart that a lot, if you go back into that time frame in history, there was a lot of anxiety and aggression in our country, in, in the world. 
because you're between world wars. You had a lot going on. Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And I believe that he feeds. God allows him on a leash, and he, when it's time to pull him back, he pulls him back hard. But we're living in a time where there's a lot of aggression and anxiety in our world again. The terrorism and all that's going on around us. And I can't help but think that that's why we're having some of the weather highs. It's not a matter of man shooting carbon monoxide and dioxide into the air. It's a matter of what our spiritual condition is. I really believe that to be the case, the spiritual condition of the world with the terrorism of the Muslims doing what they're doing. It's, it feeds satanic, you know, aggression feeds Satan. And personally, I believe that if we let our anger get the best of us, that it feeds Satan in our lives as well. Now, you think about what I'm saying. If it feeds in, it can feed in the church the same way. Uh, anytime that you have a lack of forgiveness in your life, you find yourself, you know, it'll, it'll affect the church. You can feel the, feel the spiritual climate in the church change if you've got too many people that's not forgiving. Because lack of forgiveness is nothing more than aggression, folks. It's just aggression. And so I, I've, I've often, I feel that there's a lot of things that happen in our world in the natural realm that is simply fed by what we lack in the spiritual. And it's areas that we need to, to take care of in our lives. Now, I'm teaching on, a, on something that really kind of fits in with what I've just said. Of course, we're talking about great doctrines, and we're starting today on the last of the great, great doctrines, the most important of all doctrines, as the next three that we're going to be seeing. And uh, we're going to title this this morning, The First Step Heavenward. The First Step Heavenward. In Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19, this psalm, this psalm is the prayer of David after his, his sin with Bathsheba, one of the great, great psalms. Have mercy upon thee, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I want you to note something here. A lot of people miss verse 13. Look at all that he just prayed in those first 12 verses. Then he said after he's taken care of that, then can he reach the lost. Only after you take care of these situations of, of uh, you know, God help me for a good solid repentance, then you can reach people. Because it changes your spiritual attitude. It changes it completely. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. 
Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Now Acts 26 verse 20 says this. But showed forth first unto him of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea. And then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. You may be seated. I think that it's uh, isn't a far reach to make the statement I'm about to make. And that is, I think it was within each and every human soul that there is a hunger to please please and to be at peace with our maker i believe every human soul has that within that also comes the desire to make heaven our home i want to not only please god and be at peace with god but i also want to make heaven my home and a person can do anything and and they do they do all kinds of things to to cover up this hunger and they get entangled with all kinds of worldly situations. And, and you can make a choice. You can either make a choice to, to act upon that desire to please God and to make heaven your home. Or you can, you can go along with the world. And, and it's, it's all in us because, because God placed that hunger within mankind. And he has proven over time that he will do his part to help us uh, to, to make this, this, this desire come true in our lives. He will, he's proved that over and over again. He's proven it. He wants us to have a secure uh, eternity, if you please, if it's a good statement to make. And, and he secures that for us in what we call salvation or redemption. That is what salvation is. It is that security, if you would, that we can make heaven our home. Uh, I've said it many Many times I'll say it again, I do not believe in eternal security, but nor do I believe in eternal insecurity. I believe that we can live the kind of life that we can know that we can make it to heaven. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe that in my own life. I, I know that I can make mistakes. I know I can sin. I know that's possible in me, but I also know that I can make it to heaven. So I don't want to walk around with a constant state of condemnation in my life, not believing in the power of God, nor believing in the power of the blood. How many of you really understand the power of the blood? I, I, it takes a revelation to understand. We can sing about the blood, we can, we can talk about the blood, we can preach about the blood, we can teach about the blood, but do you understand the power of the blood? The blood cleanses mankind from all sin. That blood does not stop cleansing us when we get up from the altar of our initial repentance experience. It continues to cleanse us. That does not give us a license to sin, nor does it, but, but it, on the other side of it, it does not take away the fact that we are going to make mistakes and that blood is still viable. That blood will still cleanse us. It is still powerful. Jesus did not go to the cross in order for us to walk around thinking that we can't make it all the time. I still believe in the power of the blood. It's worked on me for 30 years and it's going to continue to work on me for another 30 years if it needs to. Praise God. Even though God has provided all we need for salvation, every searching, hungry soul is accountable and responsible to respond to the grace of God through faith unto repentance. God has commanded every person 
to repent of his sins and, and renouncing them. Now, hear me now. Renouncing them and turning from them to God. Repentance is, is clear in the Scriptures. But today's humanistic and secular culture has effectively blurred and diluted and compromised both the definition and the necessity of repentance. And still God's Word is true and we're responsible to obey it regardless of what current culture may suggest. It doesn't matter what they say on their, your popular evangelist. It doesn't matter what the world may say concerning repentance. It doesn't matter what the denomination down the street may say about repentance. Repentance is still essential and necessary and it is the first step towards making your heart right with God. You cannot bypass it. You cannot go away from it. You're going to hear all this. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you cannot get away from the need of repentance. Mankind needs to bow his knees before God and let him know, I need you, Lord. I have been a sinner. I have got things in my heart. I have had a past that I am not happy with. But I know through the power of the blood that you shed on the cross that everything can be made right and everything can be made whole. Praise God. There's some of you that's been in church for a few years that need to make a good solid trip down to the altar and bury your face in the carpet and begin to weep tears over some of your past. Now, whether you like that or not, I really don't care. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There's some of you that's not done it. Some of you come down here and jabber in tongues, but you don't really repent. I'm not, I believe in speaking in tongues every day, but I also know that before I do that, I get down and say, God, if I don't know what I've done wrong, forgive me anyway. If I do know what I've done wrong, forgive me for what it is. And I say it out loud. I'm not afraid to do that because I've got a God that loves me. I've got a God that cares. And I want that blood applied. And the only way it's going to be applied, my friend, is for us to confess it. My God, my God, my God. Scripture reveals the necessity of salvation for a person to, to make it to heaven. The Scriptures tells us this. And further, God's Word plainly explains the necessary steps that is essential to the process of redemption. A person must demonstrate faith in God and His Word by repenting of his sins, submitting to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I'll come to, I'll come to baptism next week. But I want to say this again. You have got to submit to repentance and you have to submit to water baptism. Not that. Don't drink that. It's water baptism. The term baptism means to go under. That's what the Bible says. The Catholic Church shortened it to sprinkle. I shot a possum one day. I've shot a lot of possums. Took him, threw him over the hill and sprinkled a little dirt on him and he stunk. Shot my old dog that was sick one time and I took him and buried him deep under the ground. He didn't stink. Do you get my point? If you sprinkle, you stink. If you're buried, you don't stink. I'll come back to that next week. Hold that thought for a week. <laughs> you have to submit to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That is simply for the remission of sins. That takes care of what repentance kills. 
Do you understand that? You jump down in the water with leeches on you that are still alive and they're just going to do well. But if you kill them and you go down the water, they'll fall away. Now, I know that is a, a, an adolescent way of describing it, but it comes into your mind a little bit better. Remission of sins is a putting away of sin. You've got to put this stuff away. You repent to kill it. You get baptized in Jesus' name to get rid of it. Hold that. I'll come back next week. So you have to do this in, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And then you receive the Holy Ghost for the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, not as the person next to you gives the utterance. I will tell somebody what is going to happen to them when they, when they receive the Holy Ghost. I will tell them when the Holy Ghost comes in, there will be words that come into their mind and they've got to let it come out their tongue because we have, uh, within our natural being, we have a, an ability to hold back something we don't understand. That's what they need to do. But you do not get down beside them and say, say this. The only thing they need to say is hallelujah. You don't tell, speak tongues for them to speak or repeat after you. That is not the way. It's as the Spirit gives the utterance. I know that it may seem like that that's, uh, that may seem a little, uh, you, you understand all that, but some of us need to be reminded. One thing's for sure, I want 10 million people to get the Holy Ghost here, but I want the Spirit to give the utterance, not us. Now, this, what we're going to talk about here, this particular lesson, is about, I've covered everything else, but it's about repentance, and that's where we're going to go. What we're going to start is what repentance is not. They should be coming up behind me here. What repentance is not. Follow closely, take notes, put it in your heart, whatever you need to do to remember. Number one, repentance is not reformation. Now, for those of you that don't understand the term, Reformation is the act of reforming, the state of being reformed. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But let's get down a little bit further. The same source defines reformed as being changed for the better. Reformation is being changed for the better. Repentance is not being changed for the better. Anybody want to argue with me? You know, I, I'm in a bad mood anyway. Can you, can you tell Went to doc, had a, hadn't, hadn't had a physical since I was in my 20s. Everything worked out except they said my blood pressure was too high, and that makes me mad. I went in there knowing that's what they were going to say, so when they took the blood pressure, my bottom number was 103. And he said, boy, that's high. I said, well, it's high because I'm in here doing this. I say things like that. Turned out the doctor I went to was a good conservative Republican. Forgive me if I'm being... And he said that he got so disillusioned because he was into political science and, and, and college. And he said he got so disillusioned he went back and got his medical degree. <laughs> you know, so I went and, I, you know, and, and I, I, I've determined, you know, when we dis- make a decision, we should stand by that decision as best we possibly can. And I determined that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to do everything I can so that I can take, I, I, don't, I don't have to stay on these pills that they want me to take. So, uh, you know, I've got, genetically you've got that behind you. But, you know, I, don't, I believe God's bigger than genetics. So, you know, you just got to keep pushing on and, and, and get what you, you know you need to do. And, 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 you know, to ask God, I've said this before, to ask God to heal us when we do everything wrong, I think that's a sin. 
If I eat too many Hershey bars, I'm probably going to have high blood pressure. And that's a sin. I need deliverance from that. And I want you to know, just, just keep praying for me. I need to truly repent. Repentance. When you make a decision that you're going to change, you need to stand by it. When you repent, that's what that's all about. I can't do this on my own. Reformation is doing it on my own. I can't change my blood pressure on my own. But I can do things as a result or to get, excuse me, let me say that right, to get to where I need to be. So I, I make certain lifestyle changes. That's the same way with repentance is the act of saying, God, I want to change, but I can't do it by myself. I need your help to do this. I need your convicting power. Reformation is doing it without God. And how many times, how many times at the first of the year do we decide that we're going to reform? So we, we, we come at our communion service and we, we do all that we do at the communion service and we make reformation promises. I'm going to reform. I'm going to do this. Instead of getting down and repenting for what we've done and repenting for the mistakes that we made for the past year and saying, God, I don't want to make those mistakes. I need your... Folks, it it comes down to this. Sometimes when it comes to God working in your life through repentance, it is simply God convicting you and listening to God's voice. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter if God coming down here and grabbing you by the head and twisting you and saying, you do this or go this way. God lets you know in that still small voice, this is what you need to do. And then you act on it. I can't reform myself. I need God's guidance in my life. And that comes through repentance. So let let me just put it to you. If I can reform myself, then I don't need a Savior. But I need a Savior. You need a Savior. And I've got to do this. I I need a Savior. And it's not possible for me to do anything without my Savior. Jesus Christ came as our Savior to redeem mankind. And He tells us in order for us to embrace grace by faith, I have to repent. Repentance will do the needed spiritual work in us that reformation could never achieve. What repentance is not? Repentance is not works. It is not works. Now, the Bible has a great deal to say about spiritual works. And the Scriptures are clear that a person cannot gain salvation by his works. However, everybody say, however, however, hmm. However, you're just jealous. You know I can carry a tune. That's all. Contrary to the thinking of many people, spiritual works are supposed to accompany the life of a believer after a believer has experienced a new birth. He is to grow spiritually. He is to cultivate good works in his life. Paul wrote that believers are created to walk or live with good works in Ephesians 2.10. Jesus never condemned the performance of good works. But what did Jesus condemn? He condemned the hypocrisy that was demonstrated by some who attempt to impress others by their good works. 
That's what he condemned. The Pharisees in Jesus' time were religious people who appeared to be righteous in outwardly and publicly, but were full of corruption and hypocrisy. And Jesus condemned their pretense. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do uh, for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. In Matthew 23, 3 through 5. And, and Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Repentance. Is integral to salvation. It is not a work of the flesh. If, if it were a mere human work, a person would not need the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to draw him to repentance. And Paul demonstrated the spiritual nature of repentance when he used the life of Esau, who sold his birthright to his brother. Jacob, as, as an object lesson, and he, he says this in Hebrews twelve seventeen. He says, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So that is clear that repentance is not a work of the flesh. And if it were, Esau would have achieved it through intense efforts. Repentance begins with the drawing of the Spirit of God and culminates in a complete change of direction by that person who repents. Repentance is something that we don't see a lot. What we see a lot of, forgive me, I'm just getting old and I'm just, I'm just going to say it the way I see it. We see too many people in apostolic Pentecost who have got to have a position, who have got to have a name, and they have absolutely no works to follow it. Nothing to follow it. What they need to do is humble themselves before God and accept what God is doing in their lives and let God open the doors for them. Instead of looking for something that they don't need, what they need to look for is the one who gives every good gift. We spend too much time seeking something earthly rather than seeking the one who gives every good gift. It is a matter of seeking Jesus. That's what makes the difference. Repentance is not baptism. All right? Everybody give me your ears. How's it going? What's Shakespeare said? Men and brethren, lend me your ears. Lend me your ears. I tell you what, the way my wife says, my ears keep getting bigger. I may be able to fly away with them. It's a Robertson trait. They get big ears and lose their hearing. Doesn't make any sense. Baptism in water in the name of Jesus Christ is essential for salvation. However, a person cannot substitute baptism for true repentance. And that is happening a lot. I realize, and I'll be the first one to say it, not everybody, there are some people that come to the church, and, and you have to learn a sense of these things and uh, to discern these things. There are people that walk in the back of this church that have been repenting for weeks. And they're instantly full, ready for baptism. There, there are. But there is also those who get caught up in the moment because we're preaching on baptism. Or like we had some kids back here in one of our things who wanted to get baptized so they could get an MP3 player. 
You know, that is not what we're looking for. We're looking for people to understand it and make a change in their life. We have to understand that, that repentance is that start. Repentance gets you prepared for baptism. Repentance is a turning away from, I'm tired of being what I am. I'm sorry, God, and I'm sorry enough to quit. And then, you, then, you, then you're prepared for baptism. So repentance cannot be jumped over in order for a person to be baptized. Repentance is a godly sorrow and a contrition over one's past sins and a decision to turn from sin to God. Water baptism can never substitute for repentance, though water baptism is essential for salvation. Repentance is not church membership. There are people, last count we had on our, our roll, there was 400 people that claim this church is their church. And they think that they can come in and come down to the altar, pray a few prayers, weep a few tears, and never again come to church, and they're okay. Every church has got that. But that is not... What it takes, repentance is a matter of turning away from sin and being obedient to the Word of God. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but even that much more when you see that day approaching. We cannot forsake coming to church. We cannot forsake doing this. Uh, repentance, again, is not church, church membership. You can't just say, I'm a part of that church, and think that God's going to take you to heaven because you claim that church. And we, you know, the, the, the same fleshly tendencies that control believers before they receive the Holy Ghost will tempt non-believers to hide rather than truly repent. Many people may claim church membership, but they have never repented of their sins. There's a lot of people that like to just come to big churches in order to hide in the congregation, but they never make a change in their life. If we don't have enough anointing and power in this church to convict people, and I am not one that, that wants to see people run out, but somewhere along the line, our preaching should either get them to the altar or scare them off. Now, I'm just that simple, and that doesn't mean that I want people to leave, but there's got to be a power and a convicting power within a church that will cause people to want to make a change in their lives. So it's not church membership. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is not education. Education is a vital and important part of each person's personal growth, but education cannot take the place of true repentance. God will honor education in a person's life, and I believe that. And I'm not always for somewhat what some people call education. Uh, I, I, my wife, I can't help it, I've got to say it. When I, I, you know, my wife still gets paper on the weekends, and I get tempted to read it. And I read something. I spent maybe last week. They gave the salaries of IU, and you see these professors who were teaching something, making well, they still make good money, like three, four hundred thousand dollars, something like this. Then you've seen basketball coach who can't even win a game, making six hundred thousand dollars. He was the highest paid person. Now you tell me, he probably had a degree in volleyball. (laughs) 
And when you say that, I, when I say that, I, I'm ser- I had a guy that worked for me years ago, and he was going to college, and that's what he, he was in a recreation degree. I said, what do you do in recreation degree? And he says, play volleyball. That was what a recreation degree was. And he gets paid. Now, you tell me that that's fair. So you, you, you look at it. This is not a, a matter. It's, it's a person. Uh, education is fine, but that doesn't get you anywhere with God. The scripture demonstrates this through the conversion of Saul of Tarsus in, in Acts 9. Saul was highly educated by the best teachers of his day, but he had to repent of his sins in order to have a genuine relationship with the Lord. And when Jesus was ministering, he preached in many, too many educated people and still spoke to them of their need to repent. On one occasion, Jesus said uh, of these 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell, uh, fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish in Luke 13, 4 and 5. When Jesus sent his disciples into the cities to preach, he also emphasized repentance. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent in Mark 6, 11 to 12. One's social or educational status does not matter. Individuals everywhere approach God at the same level through repentance. That's what makes us even. Regardless of who you are, how much money you may have, regardless of your level of education or non-education, we all come to God the same way, and we enter into salvation through repentance. It doesn't matter if you think you have nothing to repent of. It doesn't make any difference. You still get down on your knees, and you ask God to forgive you, and you turn your life around. We all come to God the same way. Repentance is not faithfully attending church. Now, I touched on it a little earlier. Faithful church attendance is vital to our ongoing relationship with God, and the Scriptures command faithful attendance, but it cannot take the place of true repentance. Paul wrote of the need to faithfully attend services when he commanded not forsaking, as some of yourselves together in Hebrews 10.25. I just quoted it earlier. Faithfully attending church services affords fellowship, and many opportunities for personal and spiritual growth. But true spiritual growth is possible only after a person has experienced true repentance in his heart. Repentance marks a personal decision of an individual to turn from sin and turn to God. A healthy church atmosphere tremendously helps one to get to a place of repentance. But nothing can take the place of the act of repentance. And further repentance can, can take place anywhere and at any time. The Spirit of God moves a person not only at church. There is times I hope that some of you can repent at home. You know, a lot of times we get in situations where we need to repent right there and then. Things that start stirring us up and we start holding them in and internalizing them and allowing them to get us more bitter all the time, to create a bitter spirit within us. God, help us to learn to repent, not just at church, but wherever it may be that we need to make some, a turnaround in our life. There is times that God brings something out that you've not really been aware of. Something is holding you back. Something that is that has created such a, a a cancerous growth inside of you, and and it's just been a part of your life forever and ever. And all of a sudden, you can't understand why can't I grow in the Holy Ghost? Why can't I go somewhere? Why does this continue to happen to me? 
And then all of a sudden, you may be driving down the road, and this something prompts, the Spirit prompts something inside of you, and it just opens up, and a revelation occurs, and you realize, this is what my problem is. Right then is the time to stop and begin to say, God, remove this thing from me. I'm sorry that I've entertained it. I want to turn around. I don't want to be this way any longer. That's the time to do it. It's when God shows it to you, that's the time to act upon it. So repentance is not just faithfully attending church. What repentance is. Repentance is a turning away from sin, disobedience, or rebellion, and turning back to God. Let's say it again. Turning away from sin, disobedience, and rebellion, and turning back to God. Sin, disobedience, and rebellion. Sin, disobedience, and rebellion. The Holy Trinity. Sin, disobedience, and rebellion. Make a country song out of that, Adam. I once was in sin. Disobeyed my old lady. Cause she rebelled against me. Now, Lord, I need help. Good, huh? I told my wife I could probably make money writing country songs as long as I didn't have to hear them. (laughs) Repentance means to think differently about sin or to reconsider one's past behaviors. If, If one truly experiences repentance, he will experience a change of mind about sin. The carnal person loves sin. One's flesh is drawn quickly to unseemly behaviors. And consequently, when left alone, a person's flesh will never, never reconsider his behaviors as wrong. You need to experience genuine repentance through which the Holy Spirit can causes him to have a change of mind about everything that God considers wrong. Follow me now. True repentance reveals to an individual that certain things he does and loves are repulsive to God. Once a person receives that illumination, the Holy Ghost can lead him to express genuine remorse for his actions and to turn away from them. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a favorite scripture for a lot of us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. True repentance can occur only when a person experiences a change of mind. The things we once loved, we come to hate. And if God hates them, we hate them. We learn to live, or love some things rather uh, that we once had no time for. Because God loves them, then we should love them. This change of mind happens naturally through repentance because an individual has given God complete control of his life. True repentance is the first step heavenward. And because it creates a change in the heart and mind about things that a person never considered before the Spirit began to work in him. You know, I truly, truly believe sometimes that people are... I, I've looked through the years, I've looked at people and I've seen some people can grow quickly and some people seem to never be able to get past the initial experience of speaking in tongues at the altar or wherever it was that they spoke in tongues. They seem to stand right there and they never seem to be able to grow. And I, and I truly believe it's not just a matter of, uh, well, let me, let me, let me, let me qualify this. We, they do this because they don't study and they don't pray and they don't fast. But they don't do any of these things because they've not truly repented. Now, 
I believe the act of repentance can cause an individual at, at the initial experience of repentance and receiving the Holy Ghost. God can open you up to receive the Holy Ghost. But because you don't live a repentant life, you never grow past that initial experience. You're just there. And, and they, they always seem to, every time, every time they begin to, to try to get somewhere, there is something that knocks them backwards because they've not truly repented or kept themselves open. Because whoever you are, and I don't care how good you may think you are, you have to live a repentant life. Repentance keeps the flow open. You go to any stream, you go to any stream, case in point, you have a good revival. And, and you feel good in the Holy Ghost. We're coming up to revival time. And this is what's going to happen to some of you. Come up to revival time. All of a sudden, your stream of the Spirit begins to flow like crazy. You've got this flood that's coming in. Now, you know what a flood does? It gets the level up higher, begins to knock down trees, mud, debris into the flow. When revival's over with, the flood goes down. And guess what happens in the middle of the stream? You've got rocks, you've got trees, you've got mud, you've got a dam is what you have. And then you're right back at that same place. It's not a high, emotional high and a revival that's going to get you to heaven. It's the repentant spirit that keeps the obstacles out of the stream. I know it sounds strange, but even what we were talking about, you know, it's kind of a joke, Brother, Brother Fox, he talks about he preaches and all hell comes against him. But that's exactly what happens when you, when you begin to, to move. And, and I've done the same thing. In the Spirit, you begin to you open up things. You flow. Things are going. But along with that, there's stuff that has begun to knock loose around you. Things that need to come loose anyway. But those obstacles, if you don't continue to battle them, will dam up the flow. That's why that when we're done with revival and we're feeling good, we need to continue to pray and continue to repent and continue to fast and continue to study your word and keep the stuff out. It's not a bad thing to have the flow going up and knocking stuff loose. The great thing about it is if you knock enough stuff loose, the next time you have it, you don't have as much stuff falling in. That is just the way it operates. That's what repentance is. It is the, it is the dredge of your, of your uh, relationship with God. And those of you who don't know what a dredge is, you know, take a dredge, and they, a lot of times they have these mounted on, 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 uh, on uh, boats or on, I'm going to get it, uh, you know, on barges, I'm sorry. Get it on barges, and they, they can get it into the middle of a river, whatever it is, and they begin to dredge that stuff out. This is what, this is what the, the, the repentance can do for you. The Holy Ghost keeps you high. It's the power that's going to change you, and we're going to see that later. Uh, the water baptism is what takes that old man and buries him. But that still, you're living in that carnal nature. And so repentance is what keeps things from stopping you. You're never going to grow. You're always going to be the same unless you learn how to repent. You got that for free. Now, repentance. Repentance is a change of mind about yourself. One of the most difficult things for the soul being led by the Holy Ghost through repentance is the feeling of condemnation that comes from one's spiritual enemy. Once a person comprehends that his former lifestyle was repulsive to God, he then experiences a spiritual battle that begins in his mind. The devil 
the accuser of the brethren, attempts to convince the repentant individual that he has no right, privilege, or opportunity to experience a new life in Jesus Christ. So consequently, a person must experience not only a change of mind about sin, but also a change of mind about himself. A new believer must believe that he is, a, uh, he is a sinner and needs to change, and he must believe he can experience a necessary change only through the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So genuine repentance empowers the individual to realize he is a new creature. And you have to understand that. You have to be empowered to realize that you are a new creature, new creation, if you would. That you are something special. Condemnation. The devil will love to remind you right after you repent of what you used to be and what kind of life that you used to lead. And he'll let you know that there's no way that you can make those changes. And really, he's telling you the truth. You can't, but God can. God can. God will. God is no respecter of persons. And regardless of the condition you're in, how many years you've been in church, it doesn't matter. We can allow debris to build up in our lives, but if you get down and begin to seek God and repent, then you can clean out the flow, and you can find yourself better than you've ever been before. <laughs> Repentance is a change of mind about the Savior. To really know the Savior intimately causes change in an individual. When, uh, where, uh, where once a person was quick to follow his fleshly desires into the domain of sin... Knowledge of Jesus Christ causes him to love and respect the Lord so highly that the very thought of living a sinful lifestyle is abhorrent. He, he comes to recognize that his tastes and desires have changed, and, and, and he has experienced a marvelous change made possible only through the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling within. God sent John the Baptist with a message of repentance to precede Jesus Christ. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God sent John with a message of repentance to reveal that the Messiah desired, what the Messiah desired to do in the lives of mankind. The carnal individual misunderstands God's purpose for his life. He wrongly thinks that God called him, uh, has called for him to depart from sinful lifestyle that he enjoys must mean that God is a mean person. Not really. I remember before I came to God, you know, I loved God, but I thought, man, he's just too hard. Wants me to dress right, look right, talk right, quit drinking, quit chewing. You know, and you enjoy that stuff. Like you, you enjoyed your, your drugs. Some of you enjoyed all your stuff, didn't you? God came along, told you this stuff is wrong. He's got to be mean to do that. I mean, this is fun. You've got to control your anger. Oh, some of you haven't got that yet, have you? I forgot. You know, and, you, know you begin to think, God, but, but when you really repent, you see, those things are killing you. You begin to see that, that oh, yeah, I mean, you, you sin for a season, according to Moses, you know, the pleasures. There's pleasures for sin for a season. The problem is that season's pretty quick. It was just yesterday, I just turned 26. Now, today I'm 57. And if you younger ones don't believe that, talk to some of the older ones out there. It doesn't seem that long ago. You know, I walk around and cut up with these young people and so forth, and I think I'm one of them until I look in the mirror. That's 
what poor old brother Herman said. He said, I'm still 20 in my mind, but my body is 90. <laughs> you know? That's exactly how we are. And we, and we think that these, these are, you know, this is, this stuff was fun until we realize. I was talking to someone yesterday and, and they made a statement that, talking about age, and they said, I wouldn't go back to be 20 for anything in the world. I wouldn't because you wouldn't go through all that stuff. You know, there, it's hard on the body to be older, but your mind is a whole lot smarter than it used to be. And that's how God has created us. And sometimes we have to realize that it's the same way with coming to God. All of a sudden you've got the Spirit of God inside of you, which by, by definition the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God that is in your body. That means you have divine intelligence up here. If you'll let it work in you, you've got divine intelligence. And going back, if that divine intelligence is going to work, I've got to keep the flow free. I've got to. So that means I keep repenting of those obstacles that keep falling in the stream. I keep repenting of it and getting things right in my life. So I change my mind. Jesus is not mean anymore. He's not trying to stop me from doing something that's fun. He's trying to stop me from doing something that's killing me. So you begin to understand that. And, and you know, you, you, to experience the real work of redemption... In your heart, he has to have a change of mind, a person does, about the Savior. He must come to recognize the good God desires for him to receive through repentance a changed lifestyle. Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It is the grace of God that leads individuals to repentance. And his grace allows them the opportunity to repent and experience change. Paul wrote to Titus, he said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Boy, someone's louder than I am. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. For the true believer has relationship with the Savior, has become the most precious thing in his life. When you believe your relationship with God is the most precious thing to you, your relationship with God should be more important to you than your relationship with your husband, your wife, or your children. That's Bible. The only way my relationship with my husband, my wife, or my children will improve is if my relationship with God has improved. If I want my children to be saved, my relationship with Jesus Christ should be first, foremost, above everything else. It's the only way it will work. That's why some of you are still in that same little tide pool. You have dug yourself down in the sand and you've got sand walled up on every side of you because your relationship with God has not led you to the repentance that you need to knock the walls down so you can get out. That's good preaching. Thank you, Lord. The Savior then becomes not an enemy, but the believer's lover, counselor. And these concepts come naturally into the heart of a person who experiences true repentance. Repentance is a change of mind about your substance and your service. You know, the sinner is consumed only with himself. And by the way, if you're consumed with only yourself, that means you're a sinner. This ear is a little bit rough. I went and had that checkup. And the doctor comes over. 
he has something in his hand, and he snaps it in my right ear. I hear just fine. I've been snapping it for 30 minutes in my left ear, and I hadn't heard a thing. So I just left ears kind of messed up. That's what happens when you dive too much. You don't get your head cleared. And then on top of it, you spend 25 years with these things blasting in your ears. That's true. And that's what drives Brother Graves crazy. You know, he gets up there. I say, turn me up. And he said, what's your same level you were last week? And I said, well, I had better hearing last week. <laughs> always watch me, Brother Graves. Always look at me. Keep your eyes right on me. Just follow me this way and that way. That's right. There you go. There you go. So, you know, you, you, you change. You, you're, it's a change of mind about your substance and your service. And I, I don't want to be, and nor should you be, consumed with yourself. When a, when a person repents of his sinful lifestyle, he experiences a change of mind about his substance, his service. He begins to think about more than just his own self-interest. He is freshly aware that his life and possessions belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He desires to live in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And sadly, we live in a world that too often determines the worth of a person by what that person owns or what talents he possesses. However, true repentance leads one to realize that all he possesses, both materially and in talents, is a gift from the Savior. The believer comes to understand that that what he possesses is no longer what is most important. Rather, what is most important is how he uses his substance. That's what's most important. And his talents and how that he can please God. That's what becomes the most important. I, I truly believe, I know, tried and proved through the years... Uh, we've always tried to not just give a tenth, but we've given above that, and God has always been able to bless us. I don't, don't have the biggest home, nor do I have a new car. My newest car is a 2002, and probably going to be that way for a long time until it falls apart. But, you know, one thing I can know for sure, I've done what I can for the kingdom of God and will continue to do what I can for the kingdom of God. That's the most important thing, and God will take care of us if we put that first. Repentance touches the intellect, the emotions, and the will. God created mankind with, a, with an intellect and emotions and with the human will. That's how we were created. These three areas of humanity comprise what we are as individuals. So consequently, genuine repentance will positively affect change in all three of these dimensions. Now, keep this in mind. Our intellect, our emotions, well, and I made a statement concerning the intellect earlier. When the Holy Ghost comes in, our intellect goes up because God's Spirit is inside of us. But there again, unless I keep a repentant life, I block what God can do. Can I talk about the intellect and the emotions and the will? Let, let, me, let me give you something here, and I do this in, as um, years of experience with it. I've seen a lot of people come in, and they, they receive the Holy Ghost. They, they make up their mind that they're going to serve God with all their heart. They live a repentant life. They live a forgiving life. They, they spend a lot of time in prayer and seeking God. All that sounds very positive, and it is very positive. But also, if you're not very, very careful with all this, I've seen people grab. And the Bible says to not reach beyond your measure. But rather than, than reaching, ask God to extend. That's how the Scripture says it. Extend. Now, I may be using some words, my own words here, but to extend your measure. You need to ask God to do this. So many people, to the degree God is not willing or ready for them to move up 
in whatever area they desire so much, they begin to reach beyond their measure. And when they reach beyond their measure, then they begin, if God is not speaking to them, they begin to make up what God is supposed to be saying to them. I've seen that way too much and it's still going on today. I, I want to be this. You know, I've heard good preaching. God, you know, Brother Robertson says, I can do this, I can do that. Well, it's not. You, you, sometimes that's where, that's where Paul said, in whatever state you're in, therewith be content. There's a time of contentment in the place you're in. Then God will extend your ability. But only as you're humble before God. Because what happens when a person begins to reach beyond their measure, what that is telling God and me is that there's self-interest involved. It's not what God wants them to do. It's what they think they need to do. Or what their human will wants them to do. That's just why repentance affects the will, the emotions, and the intellect of a person. If a person, you can come down here and pray six hours a day. And pray for God, give me this gift, give me that gift, give me... And not keep the level of humility where it needs to be. And God may give you the desires of your heart, but it will cause you to fail. Too many people are out there right now shipwrecked as a result of being what they said used of God. I've had people who wanted to carry my burden before fall away. And they've said that. It doesn't always pay. Ask God to help you to extend your measure. But do it with a humble spirit and with a right motive. It's not a matter. It's not just good enough to be uh, used in prophecy or used in tongues and interpretation of tongues or discerning of spirits or healing or miracles or any of these. It's a matter of being able to handle those things correctly. And don't you stand out there and say, well, God won't give it to you if he won't. Yeah, if you ask enough, he will. And the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He'll show you. I remember Lee Stone King making a statement. We've said it before. He made a statement that he wanted God to use him in discerning the spirits until he got it. And then when he got that gift, he walked into a, into a restaurant and he said all those that had evil spirits recognized him just like he recognized them. He said it was the most terrible thing he'd ever dealt with. He said people would turn to look at him as he walked in because they were possessed. Because they knew. He knew. So sometimes God will let you have it and it's not really at all what you want. In his case, he survived it. Not everybody would have. So just watch what you, what you ask for and be ready. That's why we have to keep that humility in our lives. We have to keep it. And this is what, what he touches. He touches emotions and the will through repentance. When repentance touches the intellect, one realizes the damage the sin has caused in his life. When repentance touches the emotional seat of a person, he experiences a deeper, grander dimension of love than ever before. When repentance touches the will of a person, he is no longer concerned most about what he wants or what he needs. Instead, he develops a keen desire to know the will of God in every area of his life. Uh, that's one of the things that I've told the ministers that I'm looking for in this coming revival. As I want, and I know it's a broad statement, but I simply want, God spoke these words to me just as clear as what you're hearing me now. I, want, I said, God, what do you want in this revival? And he says, I want my will to be done. In other words, you pray that my will be done and you stand back. And that's for all of us. Don't go out there and start telling me a bunch of things that God, God's will be done. If what you're hearing is part of God's will, that's fine. But above everything else, we're not going to try to direct God. We're going to let God direct us. His will be done. That's the most important thing. True repentance is a recognition of wrong. 
The fleshly mind would love for mankind to believe that there is no such thing as right or wrong in this world. When a carnal person wants to justify his deeds or actions, he convinces himself that nothing is truly wrong. And contrary to carnal thinking, God is a God of absolutes. He distinctly makes known what he considers to be right and wrong, revealing what is sin. To repentance reveals to the heart and the soul of an individual that, that uh, what is sin and prompts a person to change direction. How wonderful is the grace of God to reveal to us what things displease Him and what a beautiful blessing to the lives of believers that repentance should afford us spiritual recognition of right and wrong. And when the soul is truly repentant, the Holy Ghost gives recognition and revelation of that which pleases and displeases God. It gives us recognition of wrong. It gives us a genuine sorrow for sin. Now, someone once observed, and it's, it's an old saying, that some people are sorry they did wrong, and some are simply sorry that they got caught. If you're just one of those who's sorry that you got caught, you're not going to go anywhere. Repentance reflects genuine sorrow in the heart for sins that have been committed. It's imperative for believers to experience real sorrow for their past sins. This kind of godly sorrow and repentance is possible only through the drawing and the empowerment of the Spirit of God. Second Corinthians seventeen says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Human the human emotion of sorrow that comes from a person's seed of emotions leads to nothing eternal. In other words, I'm sorry that I did this, but unless this is a godly sorrow, it will lead me nowhere. That's why some people can come to the altar and they'll pray for 10 minutes and get up and show absolutely no change, no tears, nothing. It's because it was human sorrow. That worketh death. I just read it to you. But godly sorrow is when God has convicted that individual. And there is something that just overcomes them, overwhelms them. I, some of you should remember what I'm talking about. You should know. Because you know that this is more than just you being sorry. You don't want to go to hell. You know that this is a mess. And God has given you through His love and through His grace and through His wonder and mercy has given you an opportunity to turn this all around. That is the person that comes down here and begins to weep tears. Big tears. They soak the carpet because they don't want to be lost. And they know that God loves them enough to put this on them. I remember when I came to the altar, there was nobody that could have turned me around. I don't even remember getting out of the seat and coming to the altar. I just remember I had to get there. I know. I know there's times that you have got to be sensitive the way people are anymore. That, you know, someone standing next to you is weeping and, you know, there's a time to pray with them. Get them to come to the altar. I know that's a time. But, you know, if that person is, is, is stiffened up and they're acting like they're half mad, just leave them alone. Because God's still trying to break through the brick that's their head. And sometimes it takes longer for, other, for some people. And you push that person down to the altar, they're not going to pray for five minutes. They're not going to pray for two minutes. They're going to do it because you made them do it. God's got to be godly sorrow. It's a wonderful thing. You know, and that's in that true repentance. Uh, we're determined in true repentance. We're determined to leave sin behind and march in a brand new direction. And it's wonderful. It is truly wonderful to see a truly repentant man or woman spend time in godly sorrow at an altar. Then rise up and go in a brand new direction. 
When one determines to begin living a godly and righteous life, there is a hunger to walk in the newness of life when Jesus, with Jesus Christ. And if, if there is no obvious hunger to turn aside from worldly lust and fleshly habits, then true repentance is absent. Do you hear me? If you're dealing with people and you're trying to mentor people and they can't seem to get over anything and they can't figure it out, then the only thing you need to do, you don't need to get them to come down and talk in tongues again. All you need to do is get them down and say, okay, now it's time to repent. Are you hearing me? And when that happens, you can be nice about it. Do not, if you know this is happening with somebody, do not allow anybody to pray with them through the Holy Ghost. If that person has already spoken tongues and it's time for, they're not, they're not getting any victory, then they need to come down and they need to repent for however long it takes for them to repent. Do you understand that? Repentance is essential. We pray them through the Holy Ghost, they talk in tongues, and that's what repentance should be. Repentance should be a preparation, but sometimes we push them. And not always, not everything that speaks in tongues is receiving the Holy Ghost. I made that statement a little earlier. Sometimes people learn that. They've been watching whatever his name is on TV, teach you how to speak in tongues. You know, they learn how to do that, and that's sad. We need people that have repented, and God can come in then and sweep out everything that is there and make a brand new person out of that individual. Repentance is necessary, and I'm out of time, and I'm not finished, but I never do get finished. So anyway, just a couple of other things, limits of repentance. Repentance is good for emptying the soul of sin. Also, repentance is the, uh, when you empty that soul, it has to be filled. When a person is truly repented, if you don't get them filled, then they're going to be that devil that leaves, will go back and get seven that the Bible says are worse than he was. Bring them back, and you're eight times worse, not seven times. You're eight times worse than what you were. So that, that vessel, when it's clean and it's garnished, needs to be filled because every human being is going to have something in here. It's either going to be God or it's going to be the devil. It's just that simple. So, well, not everybody's possessed and all, but they're being led by the wrong spirit. Don't you ever doubt it. Don't you ever doubt it. Let's stand. Next week, next week I thought maybe I would just have a, uh, show you the proper methods of baptism. So I'm going to get somebody that's, I feel like it's not really truly repented. And I'm going to take them and hold them down and we're going to count to 30. And then we'll breathe the breath of life into them. And they shall become a living soul. Anybody in there? Just be careful if you're here next week. Just be careful. If I spot you and I don't think you're right with God, I'm going to use you in my, my, the technique I use here. From the worst ones, what I got on a platform, so I may really use one of them. So. <laughs> Lord bless you. Come early tonight to pray. We're going to have good church tonight. Amen? Everybody believe that? We're going to have good church tonight. They have good church, and we're going to see some great things happen. And I already, it was good to hear what they said. They had two, I think two received the Holy Ghost, wasn't it? And then one baptized, yeah. And one baptized, so that's wonderful. That's a good thing. And, again, we are being fought. But I, I, this is uh, 20, it'll be my 25th, not, maybe not 25, probably 23, 23rd Cisco revival. And every time we got this close, we started fighting devils. So we know it's the right thing. And uh, I, I just believe great things are going to occur. We're going to see some wonderful things happen. And no matter how much the devil fights us, God is greater than he and we're going to do well. We're going to do well. That's the way it is. You need something? Here. Uh, I... <laughs>
I'd like for everyone to find their wet children before they come in the church and sit and splash and leave puddles everywhere. So leave this sanctuary.